Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Six Degrees podcast, where we'll have candid discussions about some of the most pressing healthcare technology topics with industry thought leaders. Each episode contains powerful lessons to help you lead the digital revolution taking place in our increasingly complex healthcare ecosystem. This is episode four, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. I'm Kevin Baldwin, a professor and healthcare technologist, and today we'll explore the role that change management plays in ensuring information system implementation success with Jeff Agner. Jeff has more than 15 years of experience managing healthcare facility projects and has led or participated in more than 50 successful transition planning projects throughout North America. Jeff is currently the Director of Transition and Activation Planning for a California-based but nationally reaching healthcare project management firm known as Yellow Brick Consulting. Jeff received his master's degree in health policy and management from the UCLA Fielding School of Public Health and Bachelor of Science degrees in economics and political science from Loyola Marymount University. Welcome, Jeff. Uh, I'm happy to be here, Kevin, and happy to share some insights with uh, your audience. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's going to be great to catch up with you today. And, you know, I, I'd love to start off and talk a little bit about transition planning in general. You know, could you kick it off by sharing with us, you know, what is transition planning and, and really how did you get into it? Thank you, Kevin. You know, at its core, transition planning is preparing for that operational transition into a new healthcare environment, right? Now, usually that means that there's an existing location or facility that the program or service or organization is moving out of. But there are cases where there's a, a, a brand new facility, a greenfield uh, project, as they say, you know, an, an ambulatory surgery center kind of out in the location that didn't have that, you know, available to its population, or in some cases, just a brand new medical center to, to serve a, a growing, uh, you know, new town. And so, you know, really, it's preparing the folks to either work in that new environment that you know, are kind of new to a particular client base or region, or as simple as moving into a new space with new equipment and new technology, you can imagine that that's just, you know, those differences uh, would need to be prepared for. And so we're working to uh, help that journey of an organization into a, into a new facility. And often with a new facility, there's opportunities for really a fresh start, right? You know, whether it's new equipment and systems and, and, and technologies that they never had in their existing space, or maybe new just uh, adjacencies between departments that allow them to provide care in a way that they haven't before. It's you know really not realistic to assume that staff can just you know report to work at the new space and and, and carry on as usual, right? There's uh, you know you wouldn't want to be that first patient in an operating room. The surgeons and the staff hadn't been trained on that space, or if the equipment and, and and the room itself hadn't been tested. And so what what my team does is make sure that as we're leading up to this uh, important day one of patient care that We've kind of planned through all of that, right? We've prepared it as the name of this kind of topic suggests that, you know, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And that's definitely true. And the stakes are high when you're talking about a brand new healthcare facility. And so often this new facility is an opportunity for, you know, trying out new technologies and, and, and new equipment. And so we want to make sure that, you know, all of the fundamental needs of, of the staff and the organization are met so that we can add those new bells and whistles on and, and be successful day one. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And as, as you mentioned, one of the, the myriad of changes that organizations who are going through this type of transition planning must consider is their information technology. And literally everything from hardware to software is, is usually 
uprooted and then replanted in, in a new location oftentimes. So can you talk a little bit about IT change management on your transition planning projects? Yeah. And, you know, I think IT itself is, is somewhat new in the healthcare world. We're in this transition in, in industry-wide from kind of a high touch to more of a high tech, or maybe a good hybrid of both. But, you know, as I mentioned before, a brand new facility provides that clean slate to kind of advance kind of clinical practices and, and the you know, adoption and, and integration of information technology into uh, the, that point of care. And so I think that might not have been possible in a previous facility. You know, you can imagine that a 50-year-old facility has, you know, an electrical system, for example, that probably isn't the best for some of the very high-tech and sensitive devices that go in the hospital. So then you can only imagine how for the, the communication infrastructure Right? Maybe there's you know, phone lines is the, is the extent of, of what they've got, or all of the TVs are given their signal through a, a, a cat, cat three or cat four cable that only provides cable or, or, or closer to television. And so a new facility is going to have an infrastructure that's you know, built to support communication and right. you know, uh, the, the, you know, the functionality of equipment and systems and, and IT devices. And so as an IT project manager, you're looking at not just transitioning over and making sure that you're building out the rooms to, to work with your current system, but you're thinking, well, what can this new building do? You know, how can we use wireless devices a little bit more actively? You know, how can we be able to track assets? You know, with with, uh, with with some of the kind of wayfinding technologies that are out there. Also, you know, what are some of the trends that other facilities are doing regarding information technology? Yeah. This is an opportunity for us to kind of start day one, or maybe not with all those bells and whistles, but with, with, with some future-proofing there to be able to uh, keep up with, with what's expected from, from our patients. And so, and again, I think this is where, you know, an IT project manager is, they're building out their project plan as they normally would, but they're also looking at what this new environment will allow them to do that maybe wasn't possible before. And so an IT project manager has to kind of look ahead and see, you know, what is this new building future-proofing for and, and how do we make sure that we're not just trying to take the same existing process uprooted and, and replanted in a new space, but that, you know, that we're allowing the resources and the input from the vendors and other early adopters of this technology yeah. to kind of blaze that trail for us. So the role isn't easy on, on IT. It's not easy on anyone in the transition, but I think IT, unfortunately, carries a, a heavier burden just given the, the amount of change and, and how uh, kind yeah. of technologically complicated some of that is. No, that, that's a great way of, of looking at it. And you almost, it's almost like you have this blank slate to re, reinvent and, and redesign maybe processes that could be changed or improved upon in, in the new environment. And actually, I believe you were one of the lead architects and subject matter experts on, on both a proprietary project management system and a separate transition planning system. What did those information systems look like and, and how did you use them in, in these types of projects? Yeah, well, and again, I think the direct application to our project is interesting and I'll, I'll definitely jump into that. But also I think just more you know, fundamentally, the use of meaningful information these days is, is becoming more and more critical, right? And I think, you know, what this the software that you're referring to that, that we've developed and, you know, we're constantly improving tools and, and techniques to, to support this uh, kind of evolving world. But, you know, really we're focusing on, you know, how do we track the building completion, right? The construction itself, the deployment of equipment and systems and furniture and supplies that need to go into certain places to be able to say that that building is now ready for patient mm -hmm. care. 
there's the, the, the personnel side, you know, the people, you know, how do we ensure that staff are ready, being able to kind of automate the, the training of staff, tracking what's new and different in the new space and understanding where there still might be gaps in, in knowledge that need to be filled, kind of having metrics and a, and a, and a dashboard to say, here's how we are along our, our journey to, to being ready for, for day one from a personnel perspective. And then documentation readiness kind of becomes that third facet of, you know, we need to submit forms to the state. We need to ensure that we've got policies and procedures updated and job descriptions adjusted for, for new roles that will exist. And so kind of having a tools, you know, whether it's information systems that cover all of those at once or ones that are at least purpose-built for the different users that need to uh, conduct that work, taking information and harnessing it and, and using it to make decisions you know, is, is what we do. And, and that's really where we see the, the best outcome. That sure does sound like the epitome of change management. But also on, on the, the flip side, there is a, a rather high failure rate for these, you know, major organizational change initiatives. So what, what's your secret sauce? How, how do you and, and your, your firm ensure the success of the transition projects that you're leading? So secret sauce. Well, you know, the, in, in project management, uh, you know, agility is kind of the name of the game, and you know, you kind of we've, we've seen that through some of the more emerging project management strategies, such as the you know agile project management, where you're taking big efforts and breaking them down into kind of smaller bite-sized pieces and sprints to to accomplish it and be able to track and probably more importantly course correct if you're kind of veering off the wrong way. So similar to that, on on the change side, it's it's probably flexibility, right? So it's mm. similar but different to, to agility, and I think adapting to change, right? And, and I think that alone probably sounds redundant, right? Uh, but there's kind of a, a nuance there that's important. So for a project to be successful, um, yeah. and these are not just accepting the change, right? But they're, they're having to, to adapt and adjust and, and make concessions and improvements on their own for, for, for the change to be uh, successful. And, and so I think that, you know, an organization should have a, a strategy if they're expecting success and not failure to kind of embrace that human aspect of that spectrum of change and of coping and of loss of, of, of their old world and, and uncertainty of, of the new and um, really just appreciate that the new environment is going to change dramatically. And so there must be some small you know, personal adjustments that are made, both in workflow and in mentality, to, uh, to kind of realize that, that optimal future state. So to kind of have a, a, a vision of here's where we want to get to and how we're going to get there. Um, and, and being aware that it's not just physically moving over, but also adjusting and adapting the people and the policies and the processes yeah. to work in that new space. You know, that's how you're going to have a more successful outcome. And I think the secret sauce is just appreciating that it's um, it's not just a foregone conclusion that we're going to be in a new space in, in two years' time, but that it's a process and a journey to be ready for that. And that we're adapting along the way so that once we get to that change, it's business as usual. And so that's the success indicator for a project is if, if you know, day one, it seems like staff have been there for years, you know, then, then, you've, uh, then you've nailed it. Jeff, I, we, we know there's, there's so many different change, change management models out there. And one in particular that I wanted to talk about with you today is Cotter's change management framework. Could you walk us through a, an example of, of maybe a hospital transition that you've been involved with using Cotter's framework? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there are a handful of, of pretty appropriate change management frameworks. I think Cotter's is particularly 
accessible to those who are not in the budget management world because it prescribes kind of a stepwise progression through this journey of change. And maybe we'll just kind of use that word to take us through. But it's also effective because it's not just looking at the organization level, but it's also at the personal level. And as I just mentioned, you know, being appreciative and responsive to that dynamic as well is, is what results in the, in the best outcome. And so, you know, with the, uh, with, with, Condor's framework is really starting with a need, right? There's a there's a, some urgency that's created. You know, with the new healthcare facility, it's we got patients in the hallways. Half of our rooms are 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 out of commission every other day because of the the facility just can't become, you know keep up with with our patients or just you know it's old and needs to be uh, to be to be replaced or refurbished. And so you kind of start with that need, um, and then there's an urgency that's created out of that need to say, what do we need to do? To, to kind of improve the situation. And so, you know, often that spurs a design phase and there's, you know, work to kind of look at, well, what, you know, where could we build? What could we build? How much, much it will it cost, et cetera. But you've at least had that first spark, right? That's that, you know, initial point. From then you're, you're getting buy-in on others, there's, whether it's board approval or general stakeholder acknowledgement that, yep, you know, this is a, needs to be a priority for the organization kind of gets us a little bit further along, kind of creating that, what they call a climate for change, right? Uh, you know, I understand that, you know what, this is coming and, and we need to start to, to embrace it. And then we really, you know, need to see leadership step up and explain that vision and say, you know, here's our, our challenge. And one of the solutions is a, is a new building, but it's not just a building. It's, it's a new way of us as an organization to provide care to our patients. And this new building is just going to be a vehicle for, for us to do that. And so, kind of sharing that vision, you know, making sure that it's clear and, and realistic, right, um, is, is important. And that, again, sets the tone for, for change. And then that's the point where you're starting to communicate that vision through all levels of the organization, you know, and it's going to be daunting for many. I mean, many folks who have been in their current role for 30 years are very skeptical of, you know, well, we've tried to change this before, it's not going to work, or just a new space, we're going to be back to our old habits. So you want to kind of keep communicating that and, and, and getting feedback from even those naysayers to kind of build into your plan and, you know, and get, you know, really in, in inspire and in, empower them to, to work on, on this, on this on new project, whether it's contributing to the design or, you know, at the stage where my team gets in there, accomplishing tasks that are needed to be ready for, for day one. So you're kind of, again, empowering them to participate and, and to action. <laughs> Right. And then in that kind of same kind of period of engaging staff, you're also looking to highlight quick wins. And, you know, you don't want to have this huge daunting project, but you break it up into bite-sized pieces that I mentioned before. We want to establish some committees or, you know, and make sure that we get at least the, the design philosophy of, you know, this is going to be the new entrance of our, of our, of our medical center. And, and, and get those quick wins, which, you know, starts to build momentum. And now people feel, okay, you know what, we're, we are tracking along this, we're accomplishing things. And, you know, our goal might still be a ways away, but, you know, we're, we're chipping away at that. And so I think you know, that quick win psychologically it allows people to keep moving forward. Um, but it also, it shows that the organization is capable and committed to, uh, to this new initiative. And then I think at that point, now you've got, you know, the, the, the culture behind it, you've got people engaged, and now it's just, making it happen, right? Getting that new facility or getting that new infra, uh, new module ready from the vendor to, to roll out and, and launch, you know, getting those super user groups together to, to provide feedback and, 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 and kind of point out, you know, roadblocks and, and rocks in, in the road. And so we're kind of, we're, we've got, uh, we're building on that change at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're 
we're starting to implement it. Maybe we're, we're moving patients in, but we, quite, we haven't opened some of the imaging services yet or some of the surgical suites because we're still trying to make sure that we've got all of our ducks in a row. Um, and then we moved in and now we're ready to, to take care of patients in that new space. You know, there's things that we're tweaking that we thought were going to work, but we at least now kind of are all in, all in it together. Um, staff feels like they have buy-in and, and they're owners of their new domain. And, and, and then the last kind of part, and I think in, in Cotter's framework there, you know, that, that, that last step is really just sustaining that change and, and, you know, making it stick and making it kind of a new part of the organization's culture that, you know, now we are the high user of new technologies, or we are now, you know, we have this new patient first, you know, layout that allows us to really highlight the patient, uh, you know, make the experience best for them and, and keep some of the clutter of the back of house work out of their, uh, their line of sight. And, you know, I think as organizations kind of get through that journey of seeing a change needed to actually seeing and implemented, um, that just sets the organization up for future changes uh, and to, you know, get a little bit more buy-in right off the bat. And, you know, any skepticism with, we'll never be able to do that, or we've tried that before, kind of usually is deafened pretty quick once, uh, you know, you can you can show, we we did it, and, you know, if we have to do it again, you know, we're, we're ready to do so. Yeah, wow. So it definitely sounds like a, a journey, and, and you really have to bring people along for, for the entire duration of, of that experience that the organization's going through. And makes me think people really are arguably the most important piece of, of this whole change management puzzle. In your role in, in particular, I know you've worked hand in hand with senior executives at, at leading health systems across the country. What, what advice do you typically give them in regards to managing these large change management efforts at their organizations? Yeah, well, and you know, I think the the most successful organizations, you know, have leaders that kind of can appreciate that, you know, this is going to be new, different, and and, and challenging, right? You know, they they might be experts at tracking physicians or you know, in, ensuring that they've their staff always have the supplies they need to provide care, and that the nurses are well oiled machines and, and and you know, supporting the mission well. But you know, a new facility is just not part of their core competency, and so. I think, you know, that, and that's where they look to teams such as mine to uh, to come in and provide some of that insight and guidance. But also, I think it's it's where they kind of take a step back and say, you know, we're the experts at providing care, but not at opening a new facility. So so what can we do to, to better set ourselves up for success? And things like engaging frontline staff, fostering communication, collaboration across service lines. Um, I mean, we go into facilities where, nursing staff and the facilities team may have never crossed paths before, <laughs> you know, they yeah. just both kind of know each one is doing their thing. And so uh, leadership that's able to kind of recognize where different folks are at and, and kind of meet them where they're at. I know that's a little bit cliche, but I think being able to say, you know, we know that some of this is clear to you and it's very foreign to, to those over here and, and maybe vice versa when it comes to how we're going to uh, use technology. Having a, a leadership team that appreciates that, that fosters that communication and that kind of goes through that discovery phase and listens to uh, the concerns of their staff and, 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 and responds accordingly really results in a, in, in a better outcome. And I'd say maybe the, the most important piece, if you were to say, you know, that since, since people are so important, it's making timely decisions and sticking behind it. So, you know, if leadership is hush-hush about, about certain things or the impact it might have, you know, staff kind of get that sense and then they're less willing to, to be involved or to put, out, put their neck out with some ideas that probably could be the solution that the 
leadership team was trying to, to find it to solve one of their problems. And so, again, I think, you know, since change affects the people most, engaging the people and, and, and understanding, you know, what it takes for them to get to, to a level of comfort will also do the organization well, as far as being ready to, uh, to, to transition in, into a new space. Great. Thank you. And keeping people in, in mind, how have you had to adapt your change management approaches in this evolving context of the COVID pandemic that we've all found ourselves in over the last you know, year or so? Again, I think just like the, the theme of all of this, which yeah. change and adapting, you know, applies to us as well. We're, we're, we're change practitioners and it's always easier to uh, kind of point and, and advise than it is to kind of look at how you're kind of managing your, yourself and your, your own team. But I think we've been done a good job at adapting. Um, I think, you know, we're knowledge workers, I guess, right? So we're not, we can't just turn up the, the, the speed on an assembly line and, and get things done faster or, you know, kind of stack things up and say, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that and, 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 you know, release those products at a later date. You know, we've got an ongoing need to prepare your teams. Um, and that involves the need, as you said, since it's so people oriented to, to pull them out of, pull them away from the bedside, pull a, a leader, uh, you know, out of their rounds or, or off of some kind of key uh, kind of manager or director um, post. And so we want to make sure that we're using their, their time appropriately. And so what we've done is looked at how do we maximize the value of that contact time. In mm-hmm. the past, it was, you know, we're getting everyone into a conference room. And, and now a lot of that is done through Zoom sessions, which I think does allow for just inherently more flexibility, right? People, can, right. you know, don't have to be in two buildings at, <laughs> you know, within, within a minute of each other as, as those meetings kind of, you know, often we're, we're pulling them for just part of their day and then running from meeting to meeting. So we found economies in, 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 in that and been able to adapt our team's avail- availability and, you know, odd hours of the morning <laughs> to, to handle other time zones and, and the needs of, of, of clients in, in other states. And then, you know, really, I think the with the backdrop being this pandemic, I mean, kind of everyone, not just in their professional life, enduring change, but changes to their households, to, you know, family member health and, you know, children in school and, and traffic patterns, all of those things, you know, kind of in mind is, you know, really looking at that some change you can plan for. And that's really what we're talking about today is that yeah. we call it kind of you know, proactive change where we're taking steps to get to a future state. Uh, but the reality is a lot of the change requires us to be more reactive, right? And how do we respond to, you know, our world being turned upside down in, in an instant? And I think it just it's techniques that, that we use to keep going in our day-to-day world also do apply to you know, big projects. And so what we've tried to do is look at you know, how do we adapt and add flexibility in our program to, uh, to understand that you know, timelines might stretch, resources might become thinner, but you know, ultimately if the goal is still the same, how else can we uh, kind of adjust our process to, to ensure success? Yeah, and it sounds like you definitely took the the bull by the horns over over the last year. And now I want to shift gears just a little bit, Jeff, and talk about how change management relates to strategic planning. And as you know, organizations have to first devise strategies that support their organizational goals and objectives before they can implement changes like we've talked about. So how do you bring strategic planning into the conversation during what is most often a multi-year transition project? Yeah, yeah you know, multi-year for sure. And, you know, in some cases, you know, the design was, was penned a decade, but it really comes down to, to a vision and aligning, you know, the, the different tactical activities, you know, assembling committees or 
you know, hiring architects or sending these individual milestones all starts with understanding what that organization's vision is and really the impetus for the project, right? Is it, you know, we need more beds or we need a facility that's more up to date to be able to handle the technologies that we need to use? Do we just need, uh, you know, more, um, uh, more functional alignment between certain services because we can't have the lab way over there and the pharmacy way over there if, if most of the, the patient character is here. So I think looking at, you know, what, how are you trying to, what kind of puzzle are you trying to build? An analogy that I use often is, you know, all these different pieces, you're trying to put together a puzzle that, that meets the, the goals of the organization. And so I think a strategy that, that takes the time at the front end to carefully design and, and map out what that kind of master plan will be is critical. And, you know, there's techniques that we use, such as backward scheduling to help with the tactical uh, work of setting milestones and identifying, you know, when certain things should happen as, we, as we're shooting to, to that goal. But, you know, the, uh, the, the strategy really needs to be one of clear foresight and commitment to, to that. You know, obviously with any change, as with any project, you know, you know, a change often results in either an impact of dollars or, or the uh, uh, kind of timeline of, of your project. So, yeah. you know, having a strategy of, of, kind of committing to a, to a vision and then you can kind of course correct along the way. But yeah. organizations that, that engage good partners early, a good architect that has experience in a particular area, and, and you know, you're also adding end goal of the organization is not just a new building, but it's likely going to be a change in culture and adoption of kind of new ways of doing things. And, and the facility needs to support that. And, and that's only as good as, as the vision of, of leadership early on. You brought up a good point. So in addition to these transition planning projects, having a, oftentimes a, a very long time horizon, they also have dollars tied to them. They're, they're oftentimes multi-million dollar expenditures for these organizations. So how does bringing long-term strategic planning into this conversation early and, and often, I'm assuming, justify the substantial capital expense for the organization? Yeah, well, and you know, I think a lot of projects don't ever get that final green light because of apprehension about exactly what, what you're saying. I, I think ultimately, the, if you think about the lifespan of a healthcare facility, it is expected to exceed at least 50 years, right? You're not building a, a project to just tilt it up and, mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of open your, your shop for a, for a few years. So this is a long-term commitment to the community and, and to the organization. So if you're trying to get a return on investment over 50 years, you have to do a good amount of, and I mentioned it before, but really future-proofing, right? And thinking about, you know, what will the way we provide care look like over this next 50 years? And, you know, since it is such a big capital expense, you know, you're likely amortizing your payments over the life of that building. And so, you know, it's a, a constant part of your company's financial reality yeah. as, soon as, as soon as you make that initial commitment to, to break ground. And so um, what you want to look at is, you know, trends in healthcare reimbursement, procedures that can be done in, a, in an outpatient setting versus in an inpatient area. You know, just the progression of, you know, non-Western medicine uh, approaches to healthcare and, you know, how could your facility also support that as, as, as the tide starts to change? And so then you're, you're looking at somewhere down the horizon, your capital investment is still going to be useful and provide value, even though, you know, you might be changing the way that you're providing care. And I think you almost have to expect that you're going to be changing the way you provide care. I think, you know, anyone um, with an IT background on this, on this podcast is probably chuckling, you know, when I say future proof uh, with this case, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but you want to look at, you know, what is the most, the most we can put in, even if day one, we're not going to 
have those you know bells and whistles going. We at least know that it allows our ability to grow into that. You know when, when the when the time comes. And you know I think going back to what you said before about just being nimble, it's the the value of that asset, right? Um, and, and the utility of it is a function of how nimble and adaptable it as a yeah. building can be into the future. Um, because you know you really at least in you know many states like California where we live and many others you you're not just knocking walls and and, and, and changing things around. You're pretty much committed to the to the structure, and you want that structure to just be as, as flexible as possible. Yeah, no, and, and you you bring up a, a good point. You're you're really investing in an asset that's going to position the organization for tomorrow, for for the future. So when when you meet with the executives and, and with your clients, um, could you share an example or two of a, a quantifiable metric that you might propose to them or or use in a project like this to actually track its progression? Yeah. So all throughout this, we're we're combining you know project management with. Um, healthcare, and, you know, there's metrics that, you know, at the core of both of those, right? Well, in operations, you might have staff and patient satisfaction scores, right? HCAPs or press gaining surveys to, to say these are key indicators of how well organization is supporting their staff or meeting the needs of, of their patients. In the clinical staff management world, you've got hours per patient day and these very specific metrics of are we being efficient with our resources and are we meeting what's done? Mm-hmm. You translate that to a project that's in design to say, you know, are we right sizing these units so that we'll be able to be efficient and take advantage of the most type of patients in that space at greatest value to the organization and the, the best outcome for, for the patient. So, you know, all those things are very, you know, metric based. Square footage lets you identify how many housekeepers you need to clean an area. Um, and that can be, you know, or how many security guards to, 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 to secure a particular space. Yeah. So I think having an idea of, of where, you know, where you're at baseline today with an organization and where you want to get to, that, that becomes critical. And that should become part of the plan, right? You, you want to look at, you know, maybe looking at robots to help with some of the supply distribution, um, you know, or getting uh, equipment and supplies closer to the bedside so that nurses aren't hunting and gathering as much. I mean, all of those will impact your bottom line and are probably key metrics that you'd want to shoot for uh, that are quantifiable. And so, so... As I mentioned before, I think when when day one opens and and you know staff are comfortable, like that's a measure of success. And you know a well orchestrated transition that might also mean that staff are comfortable sooner, which means that you can start ramping up volume a little quicker, or you know you can add some more ORs onto the block schedule a little bit sooner because staff have adapted quicker. Yeah. Um, or or even you know you don't have to have as many resources that aren't assigned to a patient there to make sure everyone's comfortable because staff are already well prepared. And so, so those, how quickly you can get back to your normal staffing is probably a, 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 an important indicator for a healthcare leader as you're looking at how do we track whether or not we're, we're successful. But I would also venture to say that the quantifiable, you know, metrics are, are need to be balanced with some of the more uh, qualitative <laughs> measures, right? What was, you know, the smile on the faces of of patients and, and, and families as they're in their new space, and, and you know the just the the feeling like we've accomplished a, a very you know sensitive and delicate move. I mean, I think those outcomes also have merit and probably should be planned for and tracked, just as you would some of these more kind of quantitative things. Um, I mean, you can imagine that you know the accommodations for natural light and comfort are, are far different than some of the 1950s 
infirmary ward type aesthetics, right? Yeah. Architectural building too. Now we're looking at, you know, that this building is going to have these amenities and these elements that don't impact the bottom line, but just overall improve the, the quality of care and, and, the, and the outcomes of, of, of patients. And so, you know, I think those, you know, kind of lasting impressions, um, you know, we say that no matter how well you plan to move or how much you're on budget or how perfectly you dialed in, how many ORs you would need, what's remembered is that move day and that first day. Was it smooth? People able to find what they needed and feel like it was, as I mentioned before, kind of business as usual in a new space. And I think if you can still track all of the more nuts and bolts, dollars and resources and, and expectations on the quantifiable side, you know, with the you know, what is the kind of ultimate spirit list that we want this new building to, to, to bring, then I think you have a, a good dashboard of, of things to shoot for and, and resources to, to assign. Great. Well, that, that's a, a fantastic uh, summary and even gave me a lot of food for thought as well. So thanks for sharing some of those examples. So now, uh, Jeff, I, I want to look forward a little bit and, and love for you to share a little bit, you know, what, what are you working on today and, and what, what's coming up next? What do you have cooking? Okay, well, let's see, uh, you know, next week we'll be opening a, a hospital up in a uh, hospital. It's a, it's a kind of outpatient building, but it's, it's a tied to a hospital up in Nome, Alaska, right? So a very kind of rural area in the north, 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 northwest. <laughs> but, you know, and again, I think that reaffirms the, the, you know, what we mentioned earlier that, you know, projects of varying complexity, fundamentally, it's still the same journey, right? It's getting yeah. you know, the, the, the team and the organization ready to work and, and provide care in a particular location. So, you know, we're excited about that. We've got a couple hospitals in Southern California that we'll be doing some dress rehearsals for, you know, it's kind of simulating the kind of a, a patient encounter and really all operations in the building uh, before we actually open for patients. So, again, I think with even with the core IT project management, you have these technical dress rehearsals of doing all those tests to make sure that things are working before you roll them uh, out in use. Similarly, a new building, you want to do that. And so we, we've got a program that kind of works with, uh, you know, our client partners to simulate, uh, you know, a, a, a day in, in patient care and, and make sure that we can identify issues and, and knock those out. Um, but, you know, also, I think we're looking more just from our company's vision at providing some more help earlier on in, in the construction process. So at the point of design, whether you're trying to determine, you know, does it make sense to have this kind of big open concourse for patients, or do we want to, you know, at least leave, leave a little bit more room for, you know, the distribution of, of, of supplies and materials. And, and that kind of constant trade-off uh, is something that we see at the end of the day, but to be able to add some insight early on, you know, is, you know, we expect to be, to be helpful. And we've already started to advise some of our clients who are still in that early drawing board phase, channeling a lot of our lessons learned in, into that, I think will just make things even smoother when you get to the point where you're ready to activate a building. Um, so I think from, from my team, you know, that's really you know, where we're at, you know, keeping an eye close on new technologies that are coming out and you know, trying to stay ahead of it. So as clients say, well, we're thinking about incorporating this. What have you seen? You know, we at least are, are, are familiar. Can, can not only share lessons learned from other projects, but can, right. can, can overlay, you know, what we kind of see in our crystal ball based on other attempts at similar uh, endeavors. That's great. And, and what industry trends are you most excited about? What are, what are you seeing out there in the field? Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot happening and certainly you know, accelerated in many ways by, by the current pandemic. So I think the push to more kind of remote care and, and, and telehealth is, is something that you know, I think 
always had a spark. We probably got a you know an extra douse of gasoline in the last uh, fourteen months or so. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it comes down to looking at you know the, the goals of healthcare, population health. You know, we see that now is, is something that's you know it, it it's manifested through a lot more mergers and acquisitions, right? And I think you know, the big health systems are you know in this kind of covered lives, you know, land grab to uh, to get more under their wing and under their kind of, kind of care management kind of umbrella. Um, some of the smaller mom and pop healthcare facilities and, and community hospitals, you know, it's likely been harder for them to, to weather some of the storm and, and this quick switch to kind of remote uh, healthcare provision. So I think we're going to see that trend continuing of what things can we do a little bit more, you know, what type of devices and, and kind of personal health accountability uh, technologies can, can be implemented to you know, allow, uh, you know, a patient and their caregiver to you know, have that relationship outside of a, a brick and mortar facility. Right. And we even see that with some of our facilities that they're, they're building telehealth rooms and you know, having that infrastructure just part of the clinician's workflow. So at the point where they are doing a, you know, a visit with the patient in the living room, that, that they still are prepared on the hospital side to, uh, to meet that need. You know, so I think just this progression towards higher tech, you know, mm-hmm. I necessarily have to sacrifice higher touch. But it does work change. It's a change in the mind of the, of the clinicians, uh, but it's also in the organization and, and where resources are, are prioritized. So I think we'll see a lot more going towards health information technology. Sharing of information between organizations is going to become much more important as you don't have kind of a physical uh, region anymore. You have kind of a distributed population, even you know across states, right? Where you don't, you know, yeah. Right now, you know the. Cleveland Clinic, you know, and health tourism being one of their big uh, facets, uh, you know, they're getting people, you know, physically coming in from from all over the world. Well, I think you know we can start to to provide care and and, and reach populations much further outside of our kind of geographic region, um, and you know, I think that's going to just change the way organizations have to differentiate themselves and you know, start to specialize. And we see that already with you know, outpatient facilities specializing in certain types of procedures mm-hmm. to, again, kind of set themselves apart from what's down the street. And I think we'll, we'll start to see a lot more just focus on the core competencies of a particular uh, physician group or uh, in a health care provider to, you know, be able to remotely provide their services uh, globally. So that's where, uh, you know, healthcare facilities even looking at creating a a new building to support a, a local population still have to keep in mind what uh, kind of general industry is, is is trending towards. Well, it's truly remarkable. And, and you're quite literally building the future of healthcare. So I, I thank you for, for everything you do in, in your day-to-day work and, and helping organizations and, and folks plan for, for these, you know, significant changes coming down the pipeline. We're just about out of time, but in closing, I did want to ask, what advice do you have for our listeners who are interested in, in change management and strategic planning, maybe entering the field or, or growing in the field? Yeah, well, I mean, I think since you probably in an analogy right here of this, the reach of, of, of this discussion going far beyond probably just your kind of current, current classes looking at, you know, individuals that, you know, have a a passion for healthcare or project management or IT or, or, or maybe none of the above. And I think there's a lot that we can take away from, from this topic. I think it's, I'll, I'll put out there something that's pretty cliche, but I, you know, I'll, I, I'll, I'll salvage it, I think, by the end. But concept of 
the only constant is change, right? And the idea mm. that uh, it's inevitable. Something is going to change. You don't maybe know what it is, but something will will happen. And, and sometimes it'll be expected and, and you can have that proactive of, approach in mind. In other cases, you're going to react to something and find out how uh, how well you do in, in, in the face of that. But I think setting a, a realistic expectation and, you know, a beneficial perspective uh, for listeners who are aspiring to be, you know, healthcare leaders and, and maybe just those who want to be good citizens and neighbors that the last 15 months have tested our, our patients. But I think in, in many ways, and what we've seen and not just within my team, but also with our clients is, you know, there's been a almost almost a, a restored faith in, in, in humanity, <laughs> you know, and, and, and really, I think it demonstrated the strength of, of kind of our resilience, right? So, you know, since we are in public health, and I think both of you and I have been on many recent uh, other uh, discussions and seminars talking about how, you know, we, we maybe are on the downslope of, of this pandemic. And I think looking at that as, you know, if we're on the downslope of change on that way down, which maybe isn't going to be easy, but at least it, it won't be as trying. What can we do to knowing that we're going to come out on the other side, right? We might have some more yeah. bumps and bruises, but I think each of those bumps and bruises that we survive will, will make us better for it. You know, what are some of those learnings, those new tools or new coping mechanisms that we've developed within ourselves to be that much better prepared to adapt, not just endure, as we talked before, right? We want, we want to be able to adapt and launch out of, out, out of the, you know, adversity so that the next change that comes along is uh, a little bit easier to, uh, uh, to navigate. And so, you know, I would, I would say, I, you know, being reflective is helpful, you know, as project managers, I think it's a job requirement to be reflective. <laughs> looking right. back at, you know, how are things, how have things been going to, you know, is this, uh, is our, is our wake what we expected? And, and you know, do we need to kind of, you know, record, uh, re- redirect ourselves kind of going forward, but to, you know, kind of apply that to whether it's, you know, schooling or anything that, that, that is somewhat, foreign and uncomfortable is starting to become comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and, and realizing that there's going to be uh, kind of some things that we never would have acquired had we not kind of gone down this path. Yeah. I'm the eternal optimist and, 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 and some others might, you know, not pull this uh, kind of same, same, uh, same rope as me, but, you know, we're, we're looking at if failing to prepare is tantamount to preparing to fail, then, you know, we always should be in a, in a constant state of awareness, looking at down the horizon and, and seeing what we need to prepare for. And, you know, we're going to, I think we have a lot more tools in our, uh, our toolbox than we are, uh, we give ourselves credit for. And, you know, anyone who's got a kid back in school or thinking about, geez, I got to go back to the office. How am I going to do that? You know, that's ironic, right? Because that was the norm and, and yeah. now it's almost going to be the change. And so, again, it changes um, is constant. And so I think we just need to appreciate that and, 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 and keep uh, you know, an appreciation for, uh, for, for that. So, Well, that is a great note to end on. And I did want to thank you so much for joining us today and really looking forward to seeing what you accomplish and, and build next. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into the Six Degrees podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. That's all for today. See you next time. Right. Bye, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,